right. Praise the Lord. Uh, If you would turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed. And I follow along. Don't just mentally check out on me here. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, big word there, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord God, and we just uh, beg of you, Lord God, to pour your Spirit upon every person in this church. Lord, you want uh, to do a mighty work in every life, Lord God, and we cannot do it without your Spirit, Lord God. We need you, Lord, more than we ever have. And I just pray that your anointing would be upon this message, Lord God, and uh, there would be receivers of this message, and it would, um, Lord, be a mighty change in our lives, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Title of my message is Real Change. Real Change. And no, I'm not going to be preaching about the monetary system. Just just calm down. Calm down. My jokes may get better as I go along. Real Change. This is a time of year, obviously, uh, people feel like it's a new start. They can um, they can make real changes in their life, and this is uh, the time of the year that you often see people say, "Hey, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to do that different. Life's going to be totally different this year." And you go down the road, and you get to the first and the second week, and then typically what happens is there's no real change. But we want to change. We have a desire to change, but it's hard to change. In fact, statistics show that less than 25% of the people actually stay committed to a resolution after just 30 days. So 75% have already stopped changing after the first month. And only 8% of the people actually see real change. So 92% of the people, you say, well, great, 8%. Wow, I got shot. But 92%, think about that number, never really change. And so change is really, really hard. And so what I want to talk about today is how to have real change. Because how many want change? You know, like there's just things that, you know, I know these things aren't healthy for my life. They haven't been good for my life. But I am who I am. I'm wired the way I am. And, and is it possible for me to even change? And I was talking to a friend and... um he lost a son, uh, a teenage son, in, a, in an automobile accident recently. And uh, I was just talking to him and, you know, just just listening. You know, how many ever, ever went through a process of any kind of grief and you're just trying to figure out how to deal with Christmas and you're trying to figure out, you know, how to deal with life. And, and when you're dealing with grief, um, there are healthy ways to deal with it and there are, 
unhealthy ways. How many know that? There, there are positive ways to deal with it and negative ways to deal with it. And you've got to really monitor your family and make sure that everybody's dealing with it in a healthy way. Because grief is a process that you have to go through. In fact, grief, you can't change the process. You can't necessarily hurry the process. It's just a process that you go through where you have to grieve in a healthy way. And he was telling me, he said, you know what? For years, I worked really hard because I knew my family needed the money. You know, and I've done a lot of things to be with my kids, spend time with my kids. He said, but you know what? My son's death has transformed me. He said, no longer do I want to work overtime. He said, I want to be with my family. You know, no longer do I take things for granted. You know, I want to be with my family and I want to talk to my family and I want to. And you understand that's transformation, not change. You can spend your whole life trying to change, but when you're transformed, you're really changed. And so what I want to talk about today is the difference between change, which is a behavioral thing, and transformation, which is a heart thing. And so if you're ever going to have real change, it can't be just change in behavior. It's got to be my mind's got to change, my heart's got to change, and only God can do that. Only God can change a heart, and and you find real transformation in your life. So I'm going to start off in an area. This word metamorphosis is the word transformation. And so when it says, don't be conformed to this world, but it says be transformed, that word transformed is the word metamorphosis. And the only way we can really understand that word is a caterpillar. You know, it really is a difficult word to understand because the caterpillar doesn't just change. He metamorphosizes. He is a furry, ugly little caterpillar. How many can relate? Oh, come on now. Just me. All right. But he's not just changing, he's transforming into a whole different creature. And so that's what God wants to do. This is a command here to not be conformed, which means just change to your circumstances. But it's saying be transformed, become a different person. And that's what we all want. We all want to be transformed. And boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could go into a new year and be transformed. Like, man, this is what I want to be. These are beautiful things that I want in my life. And we try to change. And so what a furry little caterpillar does when he doesn't understand metamorphosis, I want you to remember this caterpillar has a choice uh, when we talk about metamorphosis in Scripture. You can have a choice to conform, which means make yourself look better as a furry caterpillar, But in Christian terms, you have a choice to do that and change yourself, be a better, more wonderful caterpillar. Or you can be transformed and be a different creature. But in spiritual terms, we have a choice, whereas a caterpillar doesn't. How many know that? This scripture is very clear. You can either be conformed, meaning have these changes with the world, 
and look better and be better and be the best version of yourself. And But biblically, that, that's not biblical to be the best version of yourself. What God wants to do is transform you into a different creature. And so I, I just want you to picture, and I know it's silly. I, I know I'm very low IQ, you know. I just, I just like to follow these things. But imagine you're that little caterpillar. And man, it's Christmas, and you've got this new necktie. Oh boy, yeah, I'd shave a little bit of that caterpillar hair off. I look a little better. I got a nice scarf somebody gave me. You know, I've got a nice jacket. You know, I'm going to be better to people. I'm going to do things better. But you're still a caterpillar. You're still crawling on the earth, dirty. You know, you still can't fly. And you're like, man, caterpillars don't fly. We don't even move very fast. We're never going to look really good, right? I mean, you can only dress a caterpillar up so much. You know, you can dress it up and put a pretty dress on it and put some lipstick on it, but it's still a caterpillar, right? And a caterpillar is like, man, I could never have beautiful colors and fly and, you know, not much, not much more beautiful than a, cat, or a, a, a butterfly, right? Think about it, how beautiful. I mean, God is almost like God is trying to tell us something. Like, this is how different it is when you love the Lord. This is how different life is when you're metamorphosized. This is how different it is. I'm going to make this creature so ugly and his life so miserable as a caterpillar because I want you to know this is life without God. But then, on the alternative, I'm going to make the butterfly so beautiful that you're going to realize this is life with God. And this is the metamorphosis I want. I don't just want change. And so here we are trying to get change, and God really expects us to metamorphosize. He wants every good quality, love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, all those things that we want change in, right? Love, you know, nobody goes to New Year and says, I want to hate people more. I want to be more angry. I want to be more bitter. I want people to dislike me more. No, you go into the year saying, I want to build better relationships. God can metamorphosize your love through the Holy Spirit. It's called fruit of the Spirit. It means if you allow the Spirit to do the work, and you allow the power that's been afforded to do the work, God will make you metamorphosize in the area of love. God will metamorphosize you in the area of joy. And you say, well, wait a minute, I want to be miserable. I don't want to be happy. I don't want to have joy. You know, I don't want to, I would rather be depressed. Well, see, nobody says that. And what God wants to do is metamorphosize your joy. And you say, well, man, I'm going to come into some good things in 2021. See, that's happiness. Happiness and joy are not the same things. Joy doesn't come from things. Joy doesn't come from circumstances. Joy comes from having the hope of heaven. Like when everything goes wrong in this world, I'm like, I'm good because I'm really close to being in heaven. I've got a God who loves me, and everything's going to be perfect in a, in a short while. And my hope is tied to my joy. Not my house, not my bank account, not my job not my wife, not my kids. My joy is connected 
to the fact that I've been metamorphosized by this gospel. Love, joy, patience, long-suffering, self-control. You can be metamorphosized in the area of self-control by this gospel. So there's a process that God has for metamorphosizing people. Do you know that? How would you like that? How would you like to be able to physically, now physical is the best way to understand it, spiritual. How about physically you had a process available where you could literally, let's say you're, we are caterpillars. Say you have a process where you could be wrapped up and mummified. Anybody ever raised a caterpillar and uh, seen the, I have, and you've seen them struggle and fight to get out of the cocoon. And what if we could do that? What if we could willingly submit to a cocoon and we would come out and we could fly and we'd be like a million times more attractive? And see, this is what God's offering. He's offering a process, a three-step process, that if you apply yourself to it, you will come out and at the end of this thing, and I want you to see the end in a minute here, at the end of this thing, you will come out the most beautiful creature that's ever been on the face of the earth, and you will come out of that cocoon different. You won't even be the same. Life won't be the same. You know, we won't have gravity. You know, we won't. our bodies won't be the same. Everything will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And that's the process God wants us to have. He wants us to understand metamorphosis. So here are the three tenses of salvation. Number one, this is the past tense. It's past tense, present tense, future tense, okay? Past tense in the Bible is called justification. All right, and some people will say the term that defines it really well, just as if I'd never sinned. And there is a process where God will justify a sinner. In fact, at the church of Corinth, a lot of people don't know this, but in Corinth was a wicked, wicked, pagan-worshipping metropolitan city that people came from around the world to sin. The city was like worse than Las Vegas. It was a sin city, cosmopolitan Paul was doing ministry in the middle of the city, and he built a church out of people that were in that city. And he gives a list of the people that he had in the church. He said, some of you were fornicators, which means sex before marriage. Some of you were adulterers, which means sex outside of your marriage. He said, some of you were homosexuals, which a lot of people don't realize, but there was a temple on the mountain for Aphrodite and a thousand prostitutes would descend on that city every night. They were, it was their, their religion, their worship was heterosexual sin. But then on the other side of the city, a lot of people don't realize was the temple of Apollo. And those people there were homosexual pagan cult. And so these people had been put into prostitution as kids. That's all they'd ever known their whole life was being prostituted. And Paul makes a statement in Corinth and he says, such were some of you. Meaning that was their former life 
But Paul preached the gospel of justification. And that means that, let me, let me read the scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is the message he gave to, you know, some people have been thrust into sexually immoral lifestyles just because of their family exposing that to them at an early age. I may know that. Alcohol, drugs, all these things. Paul is preaching to this group of people and his church is built on people that used to be that. Now, how do you deal with that? He says, therefore, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Metamorphosis. Okay, you say, well, man, how am I a new creature when I'm still struggling? It's just as if I'd never sinned. We have a God that that's, that's that gracious and that loving that he would take those child prostitutes who are now adults, bring them into the church and say, hey, it's just as if you'd never sinned. And you are a new creature now. You're free to live as a new creature. The old creature is gone. And behold, he says, therefore, let, let me use his words, they're better than mine. If any is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the first stage is past tense. In fact, with this stage, you would say, I have been saved. Let me understand that. I have been saved. Why? I'm still a sinner. How am I saved? Because you've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. This is the first step of the metamorphosis. This is where God begins to wrap you up. The old ugly caterpillar is being wrapped up now, and behold, something new now is being created. You understand that? you got to understand these three stages of Christian life, or you can't advance. You can't metamorphosize if you don't have all three of the stages, okay? So how many remember the day, this is a one-time thing, I have decided to trust God with all of my sins. I'm going to do my very best. But guess what? I'm still going to fail from time to time. How many understand that? These people in the church that he had at Corinth, how many think they became perfect Christians the moment they came to that church? No, they had to be wrapped up in his grace, cocooned in his grace, and they had to be justified by his grace as if they'd never sinned, even though they still from time to time sinned, even with their best effort. And this is the thing, we've got to understand that our faith is not by our works. Our faith is by uh, Jesus Christ dying on a cross and He looks at me just as if I'd never sinned if I have faith in Christ and I'm submitted to the metamorphosis. Stage two of the metamorphosis, present tense. It's called sanctification. This begins at the time we're justified by faith and continues throughout our life on earth. Sanctification. What is sanctification? Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So how many know there is a process from the time He justifies me, from that moment until the day that I die, I'm wrapped up in this cocoon of grace, 
And he's creating something that's going to be revealed at a certain moment. But while I'm in that cocoon, he's trying to make me holy. You say, oh no, man, this is time for me to leave. I hate when people preach about holiness and, you know, what I got to be and what I got to do and what I got to do. This. You got the wrong, wrong mentality about it. Holiness is not this person that thinks they're better than other people. Holiness is, all it means is to set something aside for a purpose. Set something aside for a purpose is what holiness means. And people have tried to make it, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you're holy. But really holiness is to be set aside for a purpose. And what is the purpose? God is trying to make you look like Him. He's trying to make you Christ-like. And man, I don't know anybody who wouldn't want to be Christ-like. You know, And he's taking this filthy little worm who really didn't have a lot of good prospects as a worm, be honest, right? Dirty little caterpillar. We usually, um, okay, I'm not going to say that. I usually, we smoosh them on the side. I don't do it anymore. But when I was a kid, I liked to, you know, okay, I shouldn't have said that. We've got caterpillar lovers out there that are going to run me out of the building. But they're easy to accidentally step on. Right? They got a rough life. They don't get around very fast. They really can't dress themselves up real well. You know, they're just not anything positive about that life. And see, that's where we were. But God justified us by His grace, just as if I'd never sinned. And He says, now step two of this process of metamorphosis is, I'm going to wrap you up in grace, and I'm going to separate you for a purpose. And that purpose is... You're going to be transformed. And by the time the process is done, you're going to be just like me. You're going to be in my likeness. And so something on the inside begins to metamorphosize. The outside's just wrapped up in grace. But the inside is metamorphosizing. And so you apply yourself. In fact, the Bible says, be holy. The Bible all the way through says it's God's work to make you holy. But then it says it's man's job to be holy, like to des- desire to be holy, desire to be changed like God wants us to be changed. He said, well, what is that? God wants to metamorphosize how I love. And see, this is different than a New Year's resolution. This is a lifetime process. You know, justification is a one-time thing. The third step is a one-time thing, but everything in the middle is me applying myself to take the resource that's already been credited to me. God's already paid the whole bill for you to do. It's like getting a vacation package where everything's paid and it's all-inclusive. I physically have to go and consume that trip and that vacation and all the good food and the buffets and everything that they're going to give me in my all-inclusive trip. But really, it's all been paid for. I don't pay anything. I just show up and consume. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Get excited. All inclusive. (laughs) Just trying to make sure everybody's awake. But God has paid everything for us to be holy. You say, well, man, you don't know how filthy of a little caterpillar I am. No, I do. And I understand the people that Paul was preaching to. And God made holy 
those people in Corinth that had grown up their whole life in filth. And if he can do it in Corinth, he can do it anywhere. If he can do it with them, he can do it with me. And so God wants me to apply myself to a lifelong process. Chad, are you sure it's not just January for the first month? No, that, that's the change I'm going to show you in a minute that doesn't work. But God wants me to be transformed for a lifetime. And by applying myself to be transferred for a lifetime, when I'm enveloped in His grace and the plan is already paid for, I just got to stay focused on transformation. That means that I am not going to be loving people the same way I used to love people. You know that I've metamorphosized in the area of love? You say, man, how did you arrive at perfection? I haven't yet. I'm still not good in a lot of areas. But man, I'm transformed from what I was 25 years ago. Peace. I haven't arrived at perfect peace, but I'm going to tell you something. I didn't just change. I transformed in the area of peace. I've been metamorphosized. Self-control, metamorphosized. All these areas, long-suffering with other people, patience, metamorphosized. And you say, well, man, how do you do that? It's long-term. It's a lifelong process. I'm not what I'm, not what I'm supposed to be, but I'm also not what I used to be. This isn't a New Year's resolution. This isn't change. This is transformation. Now, what is confirmation? When you conform to the present world, what is that? Because we've got to know the good and we've got to know the bad. Listen to this. Conformed is the word su schematizio. That's a Greek word. Don't, I'm not going to give a test later on that one. But the root of that Greek word is scheme. Don't be conformed to the schemes of this world. And so there are four real prominent ones, but there's a whole lot more on this list. But a lot of times we just want change, and we want to conform to the present system. Now when you look at that word, they say that that word is not an inner change. That word is a body that is changed by something on the outside. So it's not an inner change coming to the outside, it's an outer change of the environment coming to the person. And so the Bible says that that change is coming from this present evil world. Galatians 1.4, the world system or the lies and the power of the evil one. Here's four areas, and these aren't exhaustive, but these are four areas where we're conformed and we don't even know it. We're changing. Um, in fact, the change in that word, that Greek word, means unstable and always changing. Whereas transformed is, it's a metamorphosis of the original thing and it comes from the inside and you're changing into something different that's stable and precise. And so what are some of the things that affect us from the outside in? One area that they say is the most common, here's the four most common. Fortune, is that good? I don't have a fortune. Money, the world system is driven by money and it feeds on materialism. Remember the story I told you about the man who lost his son? That guy's not a money-hungry guy. You know, but sometimes the outside influence of making a living can affect you from doing the things that God wants us to do in our life. 
materialism can cause us to be conformed from the outside rather than metamorphosized from the inside. Number two, fame. And you say, well, good, man, I'm not famous. Wanted to be famous, but it just didn't work. Fame is not what you think it is. It's popularity. So a lot of times, rather than metamorphosize and be what God wants us to be and completely change the way we act and the way we live, we want to please people. And because we're trying to please people, we're being conformed from the outside environment and not transformed from the inner working of the Holy Spirit. I know none of these apply to anybody, so I'm the only one that seeks fame and fortune, right? It's always better when you can just direct it to me, right? Power. Say, well, good. I have no authority over anybody. I'm my own man. It's the desire to have influence, maintain control over individuals, maintain control over groups, maintain control over employees, employers, whatever. It's a desire to manipulate and maneuver others to do something for your own benefit. You know, that can affect you. You can be totally conformed in your mind by that and never be transformed. You can decide, I don't want to be metamorphosized. I want to conform to these things. Fourth one, and like I said, the list could probably be 20. Pleasure. Pleasure. At the basic level, pleasure has to do with fulfilling one's central desires. It's the same mindset behind the slogan, if it feels good, do it. If that is your mentality with life, you're always going to be changed by your environment. You'll never be metamorphosized to be, you know, to see real uh, transformation in your life. So what is the difference between change and transformation or metamorphosis? Change always affects a set of behaviors. You ever said to yourself, man, I'm going in the new year. Uh, I want to lose weight, so I'm not going to eat these foods. I'm going to be very disciplined. I'm going to change my behavior. And anybody that works at a institution that helps modify people's um, life choices when it comes to food will tell you that if it's behavioral change, you'll never change. How many know behavioral changes are surface changes? Behavioral changes just say that I'm going to have a different set of behaviors, but I really haven't changed my heart. Like when you look at certain foods that you're supposed to eat with this new diet, you say, I'm only going to eat those foods, but I love ice cream. I love bacon. I love steak. And so the whole time your behavior has changed, your heart is lying to you. The heart's telling you, that I want change, but I really love that stuff a whole lot more than I love the changes I'm trying to make. And so eventually, you're going to fall off the bandwagon, right? Because what you love is what you're going to get. And in order for a person to really change, their heart has to say, I don't even want that for my life anymore. 
I don't want the ice cream. I don't want the steak. I don't care how good it is. It's destroying my body. I don't want the cigarettes anymore. I don't want the drugs anymore. I don't want the alcohol anymore. And boy, when you're trying to have recovery from substance abuse, you're not going to make it if all you say is, I love beer. I love getting drunk. I love hanging out. I love I love to have that buzz. I love the way it makes me feel in public. Because these are behavioral change. I'm not being hard on these things. I'm saying all change. You know, you say, man, I want to have better relationships with my family members. You say, but I love to speak my own mind. I love to catch them in a lie. I love to, you know, be on to them about their, what they're doing. And see, here's the problem. You love those things more than you love being transformed. And so in order to have real change, change is only behavioral changes. Remember that. New Year's resolutions are behavior changes and they're only on the surface. What you really need is a heart change. Remember I told you about the guy that had lost his son? He wanted to have change, but now he had a real transformation. Why? Because he understood that there's nothing in my heart more important than spending time with my family. And you understand, that's transformation. Just saying that I make a resolution to do better with my kids and spend more time with my family, I'm, I'm marking it down right here. January the 1st, I'm going to be a real go-getter. I'm going to really change. I'm going to spend time with my family. That's not transformation. That's surface changes. But when you have a heart that says, you know what? I could lose one of those kids and there's nothing in my life more important than spending time with my family. There's nothing more than me taking my money and instead of spending it on myself, I want to spend it on them. There's nothing more important than, you know, trying to win the loss because of eternity. You know, do you understand what transformation is? Change is surface, but transformation isn't. It's, it has to go to the level of the heart, you know. Listen to this. This is a test to see if it's transformation or if it's just change, you have in mind. When you no longer want to do what you used to do, and now you don't want to behave the way you used to behave, and you don't want to have what you used to have. You understand that if if your goal is, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to try this holiness thing. That's like, not going to work. When you say to yourself, He justified me as a sinner, and I want to be the best I can be for the Lord, and, and I just don't want anything in my life you know, that is going to be against what God wants me to do in my life. I want to be blessed. I want to be transformed. I want to be metamorphosized. Your whole prayer life is focused on change. Then you've got a heart change because you love God. And you want to be the best for Him to the day you die. And I'm going to tell you something. That's what happened to me. I was metamorphosized. I was changed. I wanted to be the best I could be for God. And yes, I fail, but I've been metamorphosized in my heart. But if it were like, yeah, I'm saved now. I guess I'm supposed to do things better. And you know, I'll try to change. And every new year, I'm going to have a resolution. And I hope that you know, I want to be a better person, a better version of me. And you know, in fact, you listen to a lot of preachers, that's what they say, be the best version of yourself. And God doesn't say that. 
God says, be metamorphosized. Let me change you. Let me apply to this process for a lifetime and give me the best you have. You're going to fail, but give me your very best and I'll metamorphosize you. Oh, I forgot to even say the third level of um, metamorphosis is glorification. It's future tense. And um, glorification is the moment that you're unwrapped out of that grace cocoon that's been protecting you and been... God looks at you and says you're perfect and you know but you're wrapped up in a cocoon well the glorification is when that thing you finally pop out of that thing and it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 remember who he's writing to in 1 Corinthians he says I tell you this brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God and nor does perishable inherit imperishable behold I tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. Meaning, I'm not fighting sin anymore. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm actually, in fact, Hebrews says we're perfect at that moment. In fact, it says that we're in the perfect likeness of Him. We look just like Him. Like we're in His likeness now. We're not fighting sin anymore. Church, I'm telling this lifelong process is going to end up in glorification, and we're going to have new bodies. We're going to be changed. Our hearts will be changed. Everything will be changed, and we're going to rise up in the resurrection of life. But church, if you don't understand the three steps of salvation, I have been saved, I am being saved through sanctification, and I will be saved in glorification one day. Let me go on. All right, so how do you have real change? How do you have real change in your life? Almost everybody, think about this, almost everybody starts the process of change. Let me know that. Almost everybody has started this process, and evidently 92% don't get very far. But what about the people that actually, the 8% that have had change in their life, what did they do to have change in their life? And here is the fact. I'll get some statistics in a minute. But transformation happens over a period of a longer period of time. And so in order to have change, you have to actually keep going. And this is what happens. People quit. They quit at the very beginning. One month, they've almost all quit. And only 8% survive and actually have transformation. Is it possible if we're doing that in our physical lives, you know, in just regular goals, is it possible that maybe we do the same thing in our spiritual life? Like God wants us in the process of sanctification where He's really metamorphosizing us, changing us. Is it possible that maybe we quit with that really quickly too? Like how many have ever been on a diet and you're just like, you know what, buffet, here I come. Here it comes, it's all over. And we quit because we failed, right? We say, you know what, I'm going to try to be nicer to people. Two weeks later, you chew somebody out and you say, well, that didn't last long. And we quit. Spiritually, we do the same thing. We mess up. We fail. We sin. We sin terribly. And what do we do sometimes? We say, metamorphosis is over. 
You bust the cocoon open, you're, you're an even worse looking little caterpillar and you walk away. Little furry caterpillar and you say, I'm not doing it anymore. And God's saying, you know what, that's part of the process. A long, lifelong metamorphosis. And people that change, it's over a period of time. You don't get a month in. I didn't get a month into serving the Lord and say, man, look how different I look. They're like, you don't look any different. Two months, I never went around and said, oh man, you know what, God's really metamorphosized me. Metamorphosis doesn't happen in two weeks. It doesn't happen in four weeks. It happens over a lifetime. And we've got to commit ourselves. And you say, well, how do I do that? What you do is you apply yourself to the Word. You listen to the Word. You begin um, asking questions about your life. And you just say, how can I be better for the Lord? I just want to be better for the Lord. you know." And, and that's all I did is just applied myself to learning from the Word, having a prayer life. And everything just focused on, God, I want to be my best for you. I want you to change me. And over a period of time, five years later, how many have ever um, looked in the mirror every day? And I know some of you don't. I do. I just want to look and, and you're looking good today. And, you know, but you look in the mirror every day and you don't notice any changes. You know, every day you look in the mirror, no changes. Somebody hasn't seen you for five years. You're like, wow, <laughs> you've changed, right? And that's how it is when you when it comes to the process of sanctification. You don't see the change every day, but if you apply yourself and it's long-term transformation and you work through the failure, you work through the sin, you work through the, the things that make other people quit. In fact, I remember my sinner's prayer. I, I told the Lord, I'm going to hold your hand spiritually and I'm never letting go. No matter who I lose, no matter who laughs at me, if I'm all alone, I don't care. I'm never letting go. Sin's gone, not going to let me let go. People aren't going to let me let go. And because of that commitment that I made to the Lord, no matter how many times I fell, I just never let go. And God transformed me because of it. Because I didn't want to just change. I want to be transformed over a process. So the number one way to have change or transformation is don't quit. Stick with it. Let the process, the three-step process has to play out. I'm justified, I'm sanctified, I'm glorified. Don't get out of that process. You get out of that process and begin getting conformed by the world, then you'll stop the process. And God has it already paid for. It's all inclusive. <laughs> you know, you're going to go to heaven. You're going to be with Him. You're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. You're going to be the. You're going to inherit the earth. All these things are paid for already by His death. Number two, compete to the end. What would you think of a fighter that fought the first round, took a couple of really heavy blows and said, you know what? I'm a fighter. I'm going to stay on my stool in the second round. You wouldn't think he was much of a fighter. Some people get in the first round, they're looking pretty good, they're dancing around. Face still looks pretty. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth round, got a cut. You know, been taking a lot of punches. Don't know if you're going to make it. We want to see the fighter go to the end. And Paul often talks about the fight of faith. And he talks about fighting to the end, enduring to the end, being there at the end of the fight. And you're never going to have transformation if you keep sitting on your stool 
and not be willing to fight. You're not going to ever see transformation if you constantly give up. In fact, in the boxing world, if you do that, you're just not respected. In fact, Roberto Duran, I don't know if a lot of you know Roberto Duran, uh, at the time that he was in his prime, he was considered maybe the meanest guy in the ring. He was tough, he was mean, he was raised on the streets in a third world country, and they called him fists of uh, stone. I mean, he just, he just was very skilled, very good, and mean. He was the kind of guy that uh, insulted your wife whenever you've seen him in public and spit on people, and he just was very mean. Uh, he was fighting Sugar Ray Leonard and sat down on his stool, and still people don't understand what happened. And he said, no moss, no moss, no more. And he's never lived that down because he quit. Nothing was wrong with him. He just quit. And church, can I tell you something? We have a heritage much greater than boxing. We have a heritage of people that didn't quit. When giant stones were pelted on their cranium, You know, some of them were hung upside down to be crucified because they didn't want to be crucified like their Christ Peter. All of them were martyred. All of them did not back down. They did not quit. They went to the very end to see the cocoon split open and a beautiful thing come out. And church, we got to endure to the end. The last thing is you need to define the why. Not the what and not the how. You say, well, this is what I'm going to do to lose weight. This is how I'm going to lose weight. And those questions aren't that important. In fact, they say if those are the questions you're asking, you're not going to succeed in transformation. Because the what and the how always divides. Your heart will be divided with the what and the how. What am I doing to lose weight? Well, I'm doing this, 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 and this. How am I losing weight? This, 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 and this. Well, your heart becomes divided. Because the heart is confused. That Why are we doing all this? Why is this happening? Why are we putting ourselves through this? The real important question is, why am I doing this? And your heart needs to answer that question because I want to be healthy. You know, why am I doing, uh, why am I applying myself to uh, be closer to the Lord and let Him change me and transform me. The what and the how will make you confused. Why am I going to work being treated this way? Why am I avoiding things I used to do? Why am I allowing God to change the way I love people, the way I think, the way, you know, why am I taking my opinions and throwing them aside? That'll cause your heart to be divided. But you're undivided when you say, you know what, the glory... In fact, it says that Jesus went through everything on the cross because of the glory that was set before Him. And church, can I tell you something when you answer the why? Why? Because I want God to bless my life. Why? Because I don't like the person I am. Why? Because I want to be transformed by God. Why? Because I want to metamorphosize. Why? Because I don't want to be a stinking, dirty little caterpillar for the rest of my life. I want God to change me. And so the why is the question you have to focus on all the time. Why do we do the things we do at church? Why do we want to teach the Bible five days a week? Why do we want to build a cafe? Why do we want to reach the community? It's not the what and the how. The what and the how will make this church be divided. It's why. 
Why? Because we know that there are people all over this area that need the Lord. People all over this world, families that need the Lord. People that need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need to grow. Church, the why is what we need to be focusing on as a church. And you know what will happen to a church when they focus on the why? They'll be transformed. They'll be metamorphosized. We'll have change in a church. You know how hard it is to get change in a church? In fact, let me close with this. This is from the experts on how long it takes to change a church or an organization. All right? In order to see, in fact, in order to see change, you must be committed, determined, patient to see the deepest transformation. And from their study, the pastors that had the deepest changes in their church, get this, in order to see small transformations like mild things in your church change, it takes one to two years. In order to see medium changes in your church, the ones who have experienced transformation, it takes two to three years. In order to have big, major, revival, city-shaking changes, it takes five to seven years. You say, well, I don't know if that's true, but do you know that every revival they prayed and prayed and prayed, and that's why they had transformation? And you say, well, man, how are we going to change? Let's set a New Year's resolution. It's the same thing for an organization, the same thing for an individual. You say, well, man, I want to change. I'm going to give it a month. Well, no, small changes take a year to two years. Medium changes, three to four years. Major transformation where people really notice the difference in your person or in your church, five to seven. Church, maybe the problem is we don't persevere enough. Maybe we can't stay focused on change long enough to see transformation. Maybe we move to the next thing way too quickly. And you know the leaders that see change, in fact, um, I've seen those leaders. I've modeled myself after those leaders. Change is being a bulldog and not letting go of what God's called you to do in your life and in your church. You hold on to it. You put everything into it. And when there's ups and when there's downs, they don't quit. In fact, I can remember a pastor um, there was a ministry that was being very blessed, and David Wilkerson came in to give counsel to the, this man, and it was the biggest market crash that we had seen in years. And this pastor was telling him everything he was doing, and he said, man, everything's on a standstill, though. And uh, David Wilkerson said, build a bigger building then. I said, what? It's because when God gives you a vision for your life, God gives you a vision for a church, you don't back away. You don't say, oh, well, I'm just going to give up because times are bad. No, if God said it, He's going to do it. If He says that He wouldn't abandon you and, he, and He'll continue to do that perfect work in you, you don't let go of it. You don't stop going to church when times are bad. You don't stop believing when, when, when financial times are hard. You don't stop believing when... I mean, a lot of pastors, they'll come into a church and if they see... The number's going down. They'll, they'll quit. They'll say, well, what about all that stuff that God told you He wanted to do in your church? What about all that stuff that God said He wanted to do in your life? You can't let go of it. 
You got to hold on to it when times are bad. Trust God even more. Because transformation comes in time, change comes and goes with behavior. Does everybody understand the difference between change and transformation? Transformation, you got to hold on to, and you'll see changes in your life. Worship team. Praise the Lord. I want to see transformation. How about you guys? Don't you want to see God really change your life? Just imagine if you applied yourself and you stuck with it for two years, three years, four years, and you say, well, man, have you done it? Yeah, I've been doing it for 25 years. Maybe longer. I don't even know how old I am. It's been a long time. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage everybody. You know, find a time. This is a... This is the time of the week we come and worship the Lord. This isn't about us. Find a quiet place and just, just ask the Lord, you know, say, here's the things that I want to see transformed in my life, Lord, and I'm not going to let go until I see that change in my life. And so what am I saying? I'm not the preacher that's saying, hey, you're going to be perfect. You're going to float to heaven on a cloud. No, we're going to fight. We're going to fight and we'll get punched. We're going to get right back up. When we fail, we're going to get right back up. When we sin, we're going to get right back up. And we're going to say, I want to be the best for you I can possibly be. And guess what? That's all God has ever asked. You're justified. Just just do your very best. Seek the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And when you fail, just get right back up. Keep fighting. Go through rounds 10. Go through rounds 12. And what's going to happen is there's going to come a day if we don't give up. We're just going to be a glorious creature. We're going to look like Christ. It's the difference between being a caterpillar and a butterfly. I just can't quit saying that enough. I think God put that creature on the earth to let us know what life is like with and without Him. Okay, So find a place, spend a few more moments of worship. If you need prayer, let me know. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, or maybe you backslidden, just let me know. We'll pray, and, and God will put you back in the same position just as if you never sinned. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to think about something. Uh, there are four times in the Bible that that word metamorphosis is used. Two of them uh, are talking about us being transformed or changed. The other two are when Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Same word, same process, same result that's going to happen in us. And what Jesus did was he took his three disciples on top of that mount and glory that was within him was revealed through his clothing. The glory of heaven shined through his body and they could see the glory through him. And it was that word transformed on the Mount of Figuration. Transfiguration. And so what does that mean? That means that we are present tense being changed. There's something inside of us that's growing to look more and more like Him. It's a glory. And you know what? As believers, we can see that. 
people's lives. We can see that glory shining through, and I can see people that were in my youth group that are in this church 20 years ago, and I see that glory shining through. I see change where where they're getting more and more like God, and nothing pleases a pastor more than to see people who have changed over five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, all would get excited. But you know what's even more exciting than that? It's not that we're being changed, but one day in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be caught up with Him and we'll instantly see what everybody is going to look like when they pop out of that cocoon of their dead body. And we're going to see it. And some people right now already have that glory. Some people that we knew in this church already look like their glorified body. But how awesome is it going to be when we all in the moment, Twinkling and I are all changed. And I'm like, wow, look at that furry little caterpillar. He's a butterfly now. You're going to see a glorious body of everybody in here. And it's going to be the glory of God and a new body and a new name. Everything's going to be different. Church, that's worth getting excited about. How many think that's exciting to be transformed? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray that your people would commit, Lord God, to being changed, transformed. Transformed, Lord God, by you. Lord, I pray that you would touch their lives. Father, let them understand the process, Lord. Let them get excited about their future, Lord God, and their present. Oh, Lord, change us right now, Lord God. Every day, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. In your name I pray. Everybody said, Amen.